This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. And to our Crystal of Truth TR Patreon member, Albert Kesser. Albert's a fellow Aussie and Dark Crystal fan who's actually been on Trial by Stone as a guest before. He makes intricate pattern prints, the kind you'd find a mystic carving into the sands in the forests of Thra. So if you like the Dark Crystal, there's a good chance you'll like his patterns too. You can check out his art and entertainment podcast on Apple, Stitcher or Google just by searching Albert Kesser. That's Kesser, C-H-E-S-S-A. And check out shirts, products with his patterns on them at albertkesser.com forward slash store. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Trial by Stone. Um, as we're going back to the character discussions um, with all the characters from the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. So um, for, any, for anyone who's new to the podcast and you know want to know what, what, what we do in these shows, so of course we talk about Dark Crystal. Uh, where we have um, discussions or interviews. But uh, the past couple of months, uh, we have been doing, um, sort of been delving deep into the characters from the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. So I know uh, we have done the two parts uh, dedicated to Rian, of course. And um, and I think it was actually last month that we, re- about a month ago, that we recorded um, uh, Deet, uh, the part one of Deet which is sort of um, my thoughts and Sydney's thoughts, you know, on the character and just sort of the character as a whole. And so, of course, with us, of course, is Sydney and and also uh, Jamie. So thanks for yeah being back on the show and just want to know how, how you all doing. Doing well. Woohoo. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, we wanted to, you know, for these episodes, um, you know, with part two, uh, we wanted to dedicate it to sort of uh, the listeners and just getting your thoughts about, you know, what you loved about the character, your thoughts and all that kind of stuff. But I, I will actually um, start off with you, Jamie, because I know you haven't, you know, this is the first time, you know, being on, you know, the show with the character discussion sort of uh, format that we've been doing. And since, you know, we're, we're talking about Deet, I know Deet is definitely one, one of your um, favorite characters. So I'd be wanting to know like yeah so your thoughts are of a character of the character of deed as a whole or you know moments or you know i'll, I'll just leave it to you just you know have your spiel about deed yeah um i do love her uh, i fell in love with her the moment i saw a photo of her um and that was what december 2018 yeah yeah it would know? be 2018 um, yeah over yeah a year and a half ago um and just 
I loved her costume. I loved everything about her. She looked different. She had larger eyes. And then as we are introduced to her, she's very kind and humble and um, not passive, but quiet, Um, always thinking the best of people. Um, I loved her. I loved her. And then it was clear that she was essentially the Frodo of the show. Uh, She set out on a journey that she knew she had to go on, but she wasn't sure where that journey would lead her. And ultimately, it led her down a very, very difficult path. And just again, she made best friends with Hup, who is my next favorite character in the show. Um, I just think uh, Deet's character is underrated because she's so kind. And I love kindness. I love seeing kindness portrayed. And she is so kind. And it's one of the best qualities of who she is. You know, even if there's characters that, you know, she, she meets and and the other characters are just sort of like very negative towards her. I mean, like, you know, with the golf links in episode three at the stone in the wood, you know, she really tried her best, you know, to, you know, make conversation or, you know, being really nice and just being kind ultimately. So yeah, that's definitely one of, yeah, like her, the best qualities um, with Deet in the show. And she's like the Jen character a little bit Whereas Jen was very new to the world. He'd been living in this, secluded area of Thra all of his life, much like Deet had been living underground all of her life. It was her first entrance into the world as as it was Jen's. They're very similar characters with similar journeys and they meet people along the way or other Gelfling or Podlings. Um, And so they're on a similar trajectory. And much like Jen, Deet loses a lot and then as at the end, she essentially loses part of herself, which is devastating for the character. Um, where again, she has she's she is almost the One Ring. She becomes the One Ring. She carries that power. Um, and there's a quote in The Lord of the Rings by Galadriel, and she says to Frodo, "Even the smallest creature can change, can alter the course of the Earth, or something like that. Um, something to that regard." Um, and that is eventually, that is really who Deed is. She's this character that was sort of like derided by everybody that she met. Like, who are you? Grottens are, they, Grottens are still alive. Nobody knew her. Nobody cared. They thought she was dirty. And she ended up with the most power. She ended up with the most responsibility and in some ways sacrificed the most. I mean, she didn't lose any siblings, but much like, you know, um, Brea did or, you know, or Stone in the Wood lost their Madra. I mean, there was a lot of sacrifice, a lot of death happening there, but um, Deet lost such a part of herself that she felt like she had to leave. She felt like she couldn't be around the other Gelflings. She's just a very profound character, and oftentimes kind characters um, are swept, are, are not thought of as much. Like, I love Brea. Everyone talks about Brea. She's got the most personality. She's very charismatic, which is very true. And sometimes Brea... Um, because her personality is so large and she, when she's there, she's large and in control and she's amazingly puppete- puppeteered, by the way. Um, I think it eclipses Deet. The story, it's, it's interesting what happens where it, it feels like Deet's, Age of Resistance feels like Deet's story for a minute and then it doesn't, um, which is fine because what they're doing is they're introducing, well, this is her journey and that's her journey and this is Rianne's journey and here's how they all collide. And I think it's very, very interesting. But again, I don't think, I think people underestimate kindness. They underestimate humility. Um, and it's Deet's biggest strengths, which is why 
the sanctuary tree gifted her with those powers. It knew that she would not use them for, at least hopefully, she would not use them for ill. So she's a fascinating character to me. The other interesting thing about her as well is that her starting point before the inciting incident, and she's aware that anything is wrong in the world, she's content as she is. She's not really aware that there's any sort of injustice going on. She's not, um, she hasn't lost anybody to trigger anything, uh, to trigger a journey for her. She hasn't um, had this questioning of the norm like Brea has had. Brea's seeing something's up you know it wasn't necessarily one incident that that set it off it was she was already kind of starting to piece together what don't we know about the Skeksis and something doesn't seem right here because she was investigating whereas Dee when we meet her she's perfectly happy in her status quo her world that she has and you know her little job flying around and feeding all of the animals and she loves her family and she's very at peace and she's really ignorant blissfully to what is happening to Thra. And um, when she has her moment of, you know, finding the baby Nurlof that's been darkened and um, she sees that happening, it's like, oh, my world is in danger. She sees the bigger picture instead of just from a societal standpoint. I'm not seeing people being abused and mistreated. I'm seeing that the world is in danger, that there's something upsetting the natural order of things. Whereas Rian's motivation is very personal. I lost somebody and I witnessed the injustice happening. Brea's motivation is like purely for knowledge initially until she starts to see the injustice firsthand. Whereas Deed is like, I'm in it for the planet. Like my way of life is officially changed forever. So it's it's a whole different motivation. And kind of like um, Jen, like Jamie was saying, like Jen was pretty much content doing his thing at the beginning of the movie. And Suddenly, he was smacked in the face with, you got to save the world, dude. And kind of a similar thing with the one day everything was perfect. And then the next day it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting, the, the comparisons here between those, pretty much those two journeys between, yeah, with, with Deet and Jen, how they sort of just got smack bang into it <laughs> to try and, you know, save the world. Or, I mean, really, I think what was interesting with Deet, um, I was actually listening to the podcast uh, Puppeteers and uh, Becky Henderson uh, was interviewed and, and they sort of talked about, you know, the character of Deet. And I was really surprised that I think originally Deet's character was going to be a much smaller role. I think like the, I think Rian was originally, Rian and Brea, I think to an extent was originally going to be more of the leading roles or like they were more front and center and that Deet and Hub would sort of be, you know, almost like a B plot essentially. And then you have Harp and Harp was, you know, going to be a bit more the, the comedic, the, you know, the, the humor, I guess, side of things. So it was really interesting how over that development that they really made um, Deet a much character of great importance to the story of Thrawn, especially, you know, when we see that towards the end of the show, when she, um, yeah, sacrifices herself, you know, to have the, uh, the darkening essentially uh, transferred from the sanctuary tree to her. Um, like her arc was you know really amazing it's it's going to be really interesting to see you know what the future holds for her i mean that's the thing that like they actually thought at the end of the show you know we're watching it whether that whole darkening arc was going to be wrapped up but it didn't actually because it's like the darkening she still has the darkening and the darkening is still around thrust so it's going to be interesting what will happen to that darkening arc i guess per se i think that's going to be really, really interesting if they get that opportunity to sort of tell that story 
Yeah, it was the, the biggest sort of cliffhanger that everybody was left going, no, <laughs> what else? You, you cannot end it there. Because everyone fell in love with Deet immediately. And just like Jamie said, I think everybody fell in love with Deet the moment we first saw a picture of her, well before we even had a trailer, because she was so different looking. And you could see the kindness in her expression and in her eyes, which is really a fun juxtaposition considering that from a technical standpoint, her face and her structure is more limited than the other Gelfling puppets and a little bit more digital than the other Gelfling puppets in some ways. And her eyes are just almost entirely black. And yet we could tell just from a picture like, oh, she's a precious baby. We need to protect her with everything we have. It's interesting about uh, thinking about the who they represent were the three. So Deet represented like the good, like something good is not happening to the planet. Brea realized what's happening is unfair in terms of how the Skeksis treat the, the Gelflings and their way of life and how the, the rituals they've always done. And then Rian realizes what's happening isn't right. So you have what's fair, what's good, and what's right. And they're addressing that from all all corners and i think it's really powerful i mean again the three in one without each each of them they wouldn't have gotten as far as they needed to go by the end of age of resistance um but it's a it's a powerful message um to do what's right what's good and what's fair it's it's a powerful message for kids as well and if you try and seek out what's right it will lead you into what's good it will lead you into what's fair if you continue down that road if you remove yourself from the equation like this is not about what you can get what you can do who you can be any material possessions you can accumulate this is about doing what's good doing what's fair and doing what's right and that will include everyone if you take it to as far as it, it will lead you so i think it's again it's just a very profound message that isn't overt that's the one great thing about among many great things about Age of Resistance, they're not beating you over the head with message, message. It's just a story, and good stories have good messages. If they're if they're written well, if they're told well, you don't have to worry about the message. It's there, as opposed to... It comes through organically. Yeah, as, upon, as opposed to the commentary beforehand of, oh, what this is about this, and this is about that, and this is about that. Age of Resistance had none of that. There was no preliminary con, uh, commentary. They just released it and hoped that we would love it, and we did. And I think, um, I mean, that was a great thing, like, especially with the writing and that um, all the writers contributed and just how well it, it flowed you know, between episode and episode because stories, I mean, you know, with writers, like, you know, you, you each episode could have had a bit of a different vibe or a different feel to it, but, you know, it but it all sort of flowed so well. And um, I think that's definitely, you know, just a great sort of collaboration between all the writers and um, especially, you know, with, with everyone working on the show, you know. Well, the theme of collaboration is one of those uh, messages that, that organically plays through the entire series as well and um, kind of tying in with that triumvirate, um, what's good, what's fair, and what's right. It also illustrates that you don't have to, nor should you, go after that that quest for the ultimate goodness alone. The idea is to try to get as much collaboration as possible and for everybody to bring their own unique strengths to the fight and help each other and you know the different ways that these three characters are different Rian, Brea, and Deet illustrate that 
if they were to try to save the world entirely by themselves, they would be missing integral pieces that the other characters provide. And that's sort of mirrored in the production of the series. Like, there's so much collaboration in the creation of this world, and it's um, it, it sort of tells the story in itself, which is why I think having that Crystal Calls documentary and having so much behind-the-scenes footage and all the books and everything you know, how, how open everybody has been about show letting us into the process and, like, the creation of, of the show, it truly mirrors the spirit of what the show and the movie are about. What's interesting, too, if you think about, like, in juxt juxtaposing Deet to, say, a character like Agra, Agra has a big failing, and she was essentially gifted this big material possession, and she lost herself in it. She lost herself into this way of life that was far and beyond... A or above the existence of the rest of Thra, she had this essentially this palace where she could look into the stars and she lost herself in that. Um, and she, she showcases the dangers of losing sight of who you are to what you have accumulated in terms of material possessions. She had to wake up to that and it was a hard wake up call, but she, the great thing about Augur was she woke up to it. She realized I fell down this rabbit hole and sort of almost in greed, but then you look at the Skeksis and the Skeksis have let themselves be corrupted so much by greed and by power, it's made them ugly. Even Agra says to them, you used to look different than this. They used to probably look better, look more regal, but they've lost themselves in, in their, their lust and greed for power. And they lost what was good, what was fair, and what was right. And Agra had to walk, walk towards that again and it wasn't easy for her obviously and Deet's character which is she has to face that the world that she sees is not the world that she lives in in some ways she might see nature as this beautiful place and she talks to animals but that doesn't mean they're all friendly to her she might see other gelfling and think oh my god there's more of my kind and not realize that they might not want her there or they might scoff at her or you know and what i love about what they did with deet and her immersion into this new world is you we get the sense probably before age of resistance that all gelflings are kind and loving and great and i'm sure obviously there's some are but they're they're very fallible they're they get caught up in their own ideas as well and their own ideas as to what is right as to like you get this hierarchical structure um, in terms of Vapra and these different places and these people or these Gelflings that think that they're better than other Gelflings because of what they can do or what they can make. Deet lives a very different life than them. She's very sheltered. She lives in an underground, you know, an underground world. Um, and everyone seems to, it seems to, even though they're underground, that society seems to have really gotten to this place where everyone is kind from what we can find out. And the world outside of that isn't that. It is very harsh, it's beautiful, but it's been corrupted. And Deet has to confront those corruptions. And then eventually the corruption, she almost, she envelops it. She takes, it takes over her, she lets it. And she sees all of the horror in those moments when she touches the flower of what that corruption will do to her. It almost was like the sanctuary tree this is what you might have to experience, or this is what you will experience. And then eventually he gives her, he gifts this, whether the sanctuary trees are her or him, it gifts her the power. Um, so it, it's fascinating to watch this wonderful, simple character experience the trappings of fallibility. 
And I don't want to say being human because they're not human, but just being imperfect and having to face what, oh, wow, like they're rude and they're mean. And I've never experienced that before. And it's great to watch her do that. It's She's a great lesson for not just children, but for us. Like, this is what you do when people you meet people who maybe aren't kind to you. This is how you might react. And it might be shocking and it might be unfair and it won't be good. But how do you answer that? Indeed, her genius is in how she's answered it. And she leads by example in a lot of ways. How she doesn't, um, she doesn't go, oh, this is how they act, I guess, in order to adapt. I have to act like that too. She stays true to her kindness and to her essence, for lack of a better word. She um, continues to, no, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to continue showing you how it's supposed to be just because you guys have been living your lives like this doesn't make it okay. I'm not going to suddenly change my entire worldview just because you guys aren't what I expected. And that's a really important lesson for adults and for kids both to, to recognize their own integrity, never be discouraged from your own kindness and your warmth and your gentleness just because the rest of the world, or at least big, loud parts of the world, may not reflect the same behavior it doesn't mean that your kindness and your gentleness is without power and so like on this show like i wanted to dedicate you know to some of the listeners some sort of their thoughts about the character of date so i might start with one from mitchell Akola on facebook and uh what he wrote was because we we did a a post of you know hey you know we want to hear your thoughts on the character for this show and uh, what he wrote was like the most redeeming quality was being was being naive without being a liability or completely stupid slash useless. She's optimistic, but not gullible. So, so, you know, she has some of the best lines in the show. Some of the examples was like, look at the look at the ladder. I wonder where it goes or why would I ever wash my hands? And um, I think especially the scene, I think that whole explosion thing with the bomb that she does, she says, you know, when Rand's like, oh, you're okay. He's like, yes, I'm fine. How are you? And again, sort of mentions, yeah. And, and, and he says that Henderson uh, does a wonderful job with her emoting, despite this uh, specific features, limitations of the puppet, um, you know, i.e. The, the funeral scene where Deet and Rand connect. The slight pulling back of her ears is subtle, but still conveys exactly what it, 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 it intends. So I definitely agree. Like, I mean, Becky just did, amazing job with date i'll go through another one uh mandy jones who's actually um uh, one of our patreon um supporters so really thank you and she's a huge contributor on the shard group she has so much to say all the time oh yeah absolutely yeah so uh she wrote uh her navy her naivety and sweetness was refreshing without being annoying that's good writing and great character development um and then she writes you know for the future i fear she will perish when either the failed shard replacement doesn't work or they have to make some kind of sacrifice her or Gelfling kind um she'll relinquish uh, being taken completely by the darkening just enough just enough to admit her feelings to rian before offering herself as a sacrifice i reckon it's a dark ending for her unfortunately yeah i know i mean especially you know from the visions that we got from uh date in episode eight I know, you know, a lot of us and a lot of fans, you know, we're sort of fearing for her fate, you know, of what's to come potentially for her, you know, with those shots, especially I think with her um, on the Skeksis throne and yeah, just like what's going to happen to Deet. It's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to, 
to see you know what will happen to her uh whether she makes it out all right or maybe not it's um so it's gonna be really interesting to see what's going to happen yeah i mean there's a lot of unanswered mystery about deet right off the get-go too like the fact that she has thra in her name um there are a lot of reasons that maybe haven't been fully explained as to why thra or the sanctuary tree chooses her like what don't we know about deet yet and her connection to thra and that's probably tied into what her ultimate um the end of her arc is going to be you know could that mean that she needs to be ultimately returned to thra and that's you know she is the ultimate child of thra and that's where her story is headed i mean there's a lot that to ponder about that there is there's so much uh, so much really interesting stuff there i think that. Uh, I mean, and to play into that is how she, how Gelfling children come into the world um, or come into Thra. Uh, obviously, we know that Deed has two fathers. We don't know about Gelfling reproduction. We don't know if only females reproduce. We don't know if they both can reproduce. We don't know what, what that process is. We don't know if Thra gifts children to Gelflings um, because that would make sense for Deed that Thra gifted her to her fathers. And she is of both of them, but also a third. Deet is, I would imagine Deet is of three people, of three entities, both her fathers and Thra, which is would make sense of her name. Um, so she is the embodiment of the conjunction in some ways. Uh, but I, I, obviously speculation, I don't really know, but Deet Thra is not in her name for no reason. We will find that out for sure, hopefully. And there's sort of an anagram in her name for three. Like you could you could pick out the word three out of her name if you wanted to get real crazy with it. Um, yeah, there's and and her brother as well. Like what's what's there to be said about that? Was he also gifted of Thra and he's just too little to is there an importance there as well? Like there's so much mystery still and I do love that. I love that there's a lot that's left for us to theorize about instead of just having everything over explained, you know, I I can't over-explain that enough, how much I love that nothing is over-explained in the Dark Crystal world. Um, and Deet is just the epitome of that. She she has so much of the mystery of Thra itself in her very character and just how was she created. And like you said, Jamie, it, it raises all these questions about, well, how are Gelfling created in the first place? <laughs> and their society, and it's just amazing. You know, it's are, are is it normal for them all to be like Cabbage Patch Kids and just grow out of a garden? That's what I was just thinking, Cabbage <laughs> yeah. Patch Kids. Like, maybe, maybe there's a place, a sacred place that they go when uh, Gelflings, because you, we don't know who Rian's mother is, if he has a mother. We don't know who Brea, um, Celadon, and Tavra's father is, if they have a father. They don't necessarily need a father. Um, so those are, uh, well... I remember someone saying to me when I was asking questions, he says, those are good questions you're asking. So it'll be interesting to see what they say, what they do, if we get a season two, um, how they answer those, if they need to. You know, with the comics, for example, um, uh, Rian's uh, mother was actually introduced in the, um, uh, with uh, Auden's arc, you know, with the whole jewel glaive. She actually made an, an appearance in, in the comics um, as Shoni. And of course, I mean, she was also in, uh, the Jame Lee books, uh, I think in I think in just the second book, I don't think she was any other ones. So I mean that that was kind of cool actually with the comics that they sort of reintroduced um, the ca her character. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they sort of you know went ahead with that because 
that was the thing with the show like you know we we didn't i mean you know if you're just watching it from the context of the show you don't know if ryan had a mother but i know that that sort of that seems to be sort of firm you know stated i guess you know that you know shoni's the mother and all that kind of stuff and it'll be really interesting to see um if we're going to see shoni um you know if they do make a season two i think um that would be really interesting to um just to have that family role model you know for rian after what he's gone through you know losing his father how the mother sort of you know taken place and um yeah and, and expect i mean you know thinking about that again you know like with the um uh with Brea's uh father because of course you know the old madra died so it's going to be interesting to see if those characters sort of i don't know that take their place but you know just sort of um that we're going to see you know the mother and father figures of those Ovrian and Brea respectively in season two it'd be interesting to see if we're going to get that um and get them introduced in the show or whether or whether they just don't have time you know to to to, to tell that story because there's so much more that's uh they gotta tell you know from the Gartham Wars to the Wall of Destiny and um so many other uh character you know story threads uh to to potentially wrap up yeah I sort of hope there's a baby Gelfling cabbage patch and that that's like there's sort of this ceremonial um activity or or like a ritual of going and you know getting your baby from Thra because it ties in with their their death rituals and their funeral rituals and how important it is to their culture that upon death their bodies have to be returned to Thra so is there a cycle there of did did the baby Gelfling are they born of Thra as well and I just that's one of the things I think would be great to to explore further and I kind of hope that it's something like that there's sort of like this you know ritualistic garden or like a special place in thrall like from the planet where where they get their new where they get their young from and and maybe not maybe that's something that's unique to deet either way i want to know and it's going to be really cool to find out if we do yeah yeah i mean it would be pretty awesome i mean as olga says you and beginning all the same so it would be pretty cool you know if all you know gelflings or even some gelflings or you know yeah you know I would think, you know, for all Gelflings, if they are born of Thra, essentially, and then, you know, and when they die, you know, they're going to Thra. So just, just that whole sort of cycle. Yeah. It's um, beautiful. Representation, I think would be, yeah, yeah, would be awesome. What other comments do we have about Deet from the fans? We did get a little mention um, from Sam Rosardi about how she was inspired by Therma from Power of the Dark Crystal who is a very divisive character. A lot of people think she's bratty um, or, you know, to use a turn of phrase, she's grating <laughs> was the way that he put it, um, you know, which is an opinion a lot of people have. Some people uh, hated those books and the only thing they liked about them was Therma and some people thought she was horrible, but it was a, either way, it was a bold move to uh, inspire one of the characters in Age of Resistance kind of loosely from Therma and then they transformed her into something completely unique and really not at all like Therma. But once you know it, like if you're familiar, you're like, oh, I can kind of see that in her sort of innocence and coming from, you know, another culture that the other Gelfling didn't really know about and discovering the world above and joining the fight and having some naivety. And so, yeah, that's it's interesting that um, that that was brought up and that was a good reminder, like, oh, yeah. 
she's based on Therma a little bit. It's just, that's so cool how they were able to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I actually don't mind that because um, yeah, it's really interesting because of course, you know, they've been trying to get Power of the Dark Crystal as a film for almost like, I don't know how many years now, uh, wait, 2005, but it's probably 15, 20 years trying to get um, Power of the Dark Crystal. So I think once they, yeah, you know, decide to change course with like oh let's do a prequel story and um probably thought about what elements to use from you know from developing with power of the dark crystal and i think i think everyone seemed to be agreed that you know that there should be a you know a clan of gelflings from below thra that has to go up <laughs> to um you know uh, uh find out what's happening with the darkening yeah and they're not part of this society at all either they don't know what's going on with this gexies no, and, and I mean, the people from above didn't know about the darkening because all the darkening, it all started from the ground. So, um, and that that was the thing. Like, that was um, Deet's main task was to go to the Ormodra, warn her of this threat. And um, and so, like, really, like, that part of the quest actually ended, you know, in, in episode five uh, for Deet. But it was cool that, you know, but then, you know, of course, her story change so much you know like uh you know being part of the, the trio essentially or being part of the gang you know um you know with rian and brea continuing the journey with them to go to the circle of the suns and and then you know of course more so in episode eight when um she went back to the caves of grot and um then i guess she sort of got a new quest sort of thing of um you know having the darkening transfer to her so it was really cool yeah yeah it was really good that at least you know like even though that part you know her sort of quest ended in episode five but she had a lot of things to do well her quest just changed it wasn't necessarily that it ended it changed it evolved like all the characters realized my fight is so much bigger than i thought it was it's it's awesome she brought the the quest so to speak to the other characters on a grander scale in terms of hey this isn't just about you guys it's about the whole world from the ground up the planet itself and then she you know she was letting the other gelfling know that and then they were introducing to her like yeah well we got all these other problems too in society <laughs> so it's just they kind of had to bridge that gap yeah absolutely yeah and um i was just going through some of the other 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 comments as well uh this one from twitter i think from blasco the great and um and uh, blasco wrote uh, deet has a profound strength it's some sort of harmony between her conscious uh, gentle innocence and her unflinching understanding of evil in her world too she's my favorite character in all of hensendom <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot of love for deet and um it, again it's just um you know the incredible work that everyone did to bring the character to life um was just um yeah it was just you know just amazing and um you know just a lot love her so much yeah <laughs> i was gonna say she was also a good sort of a uh, set of eyes for a younger audience to be introduced to the dark crystal in today's generation because deed is just um you know how how cute she is and the way she speaks and her mannerisms um I feel her her sort of childlike innocence was something that I think a lot of younger viewers who maybe weren't um, fans of the movie before because they're too little or maybe because their parents were into it 
um, the younger audience could could latch on to Deet's point of view and, and be interested in her. Um, we did get another comment uh, on Facebook from a fan, Ray Williams, who mentioned something really similar about how um, a lot of the time there's a temptation to info dump, quote, onto a younger audience um, because we assume that they're not going to understand and we have to explain it to them. And it was a smarter choice to tell that story through a relatable character. And that was the purpose that Deet served. And, I, you know, I totally agree with that. I think um, she was very family friendly and that was it was a good sort of way to bridge that gap to a younger audience to get them to go, oh, that's what's going on. I love her. <laughs> so that's another cool purpose that she serves, I think. I, what I also think is very interesting about Deet and from her perspective, more specifically, is those in power, the decisions that they make often affect the poorest first. Um, and what happened was with the Skeksis, the emperor was essentially making a, a pact with darkness, uh, hence the darkening. And who it affected first were the Grottens. And they were seeing it. It was infecting the, the cave snails, or whatever those things are, the worms. Um, what's, the, what's the name for those things? Do you remember? The Nurlocks? Nurlocks. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and those above ground weren't really... I mean, eventually you would hear, oh, something's wrong with our land. The land isn't bearing fruit or we, our crops are, you know, you hear things here and there about different people who are affected, but there's not this over, there's not this loud voice of like, oh my God, something's wrong with the planet. You hear rumblings here and there. And from, that's the how, no, from the working class. From the working class. Yeah. And that's how these things begin. The, the people in poverty affect it the most. And I don't want to be too social justice warrior or whatever, but stories are told this way for a reason. Um, the stories of revolution, the story of age of resistance is the story of revolution. It's a story of people waking up, rising up and fighting for what they believe is right. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Heck right yeah. Now, um, in the world. And what was happening before then was there was this mysterious sickness happening. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Heck yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> And of course, all of that stuff that they wrote, what's happening in our world is very coincidental. It's it's not anything that they planned out. It's just it's just how it is. But again, I go back to the decisions that the Skeksis were making making in secret, in in private, in the quiet, in the dark, in below the castle, was directly affecting the Grottens. And then they what it affected them so much that they had to go out to see well. And they found something is happening. And then how do you explain to people who, or clans of Gelfling who what aren't experiencing much that something right. is wrong? They're going to look at you like, well, it's not affecting me. Doesn't that sound familiar too? Totally. When people are saying, this is affecting me, this is bothering me. And they're like, I don't see it. Have some beer. Everything seems fine. And it's I love the idea that just because you're not affected by a certain societal issue doesn't mean it is, exists. That's the conversation the whole world is ha having right now with itself. Oh, yeah. That there's things going on in this world that have gone on for century after century, and finally we're having that conversation. But it, And we just much like the Gelflings, you saw droplets of it over and over oh this thing happened over here that thing happened over here oh that's terrible that's terrible that's terrible what's what's for dinner which movie's coming out you know until finally it started affecting everybody yep. and uh, again it's that like that show is a prophet you know yeah um 
unwittingly. And I think it's just, it's just almost bleeping brilliant. It's yeah. bleeping brilliant. All the more reason why we need a continuation. All the more oh, reason yes. I feel oh, like yeah. it's it should 100% have a new resurgence of popularity right now with everything that's happening in the world. And Deet is the perfect voice to carry that message that we are all listening to today. I think that she's a great figure for that voice. And, um, you know, if anyone has not watched the series yet, now is an even better time than it was a year ago <laughs> to to watch it and to demand that it be continued um yeah and and how can you not love deet as a figure for for that movement she's magnificent if you'd like to get in contact with the show you can do so at dark crystal podcast at gmail.com like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Dark Crystal Podcast and on Twitter at Dark Crystal Pod. If you'd like to support the show, subscribe to the podcast, write a review on Apple Podcasts and consider being our Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone. This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever Dark Crystal Convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. And to our Crystal of Truth TR Patreon member, Albert Kesser. Albert's a fellow Aussie and Dark Crystal fan who's actually been on Trial by Stone as a guest before. He makes intricate pattern prints, the kind you'd find a mystic carving into the sands in the forests of Thra. So if you like the Dark Crystal, there's a good chance you'll like his patterns too. You can check out his art and entertainment podcasts on Apple, Stitcher or Google just by searching Albert Kesser. That's Kesser, C-H-E-S-S-A. And check out shirts products with his patterns on them at albertkesser.com forward slash store.